Your heart is a vessel and it needs to be filled. It needs to be filled with God the Father who finds you with his word and fills you with his promises. It needs to be filled with Jesus Christ, his son, who you cannot outsin because he already died for you on the cross. And it needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit who fills you with joy and boldness in your life. Be filled with him today and always. Speak to one another and fill each other up. Get your joy out there. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, because these are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's Word. Back in college, I had this professor. Uh, He was and he still is the most loved professor on that campus. I know that's going to be a controversial statement. His name was Professor Paustian. And Professor Paustian taught communications class. And he would repeat this phrase over and over for us in our classes. And whenever he saw us, he always would emphasize to us this one thing. Fill up your love cup. And for us college students, that sounded really silly, but he kept on repeating it. Fill up your love cup. Professor Paustian knew who he was talking to. He knew that he was talking to a group, a classroom filled with people who are going to be pastors and teachers, people who are going to be going out into the world to pour out God's love on people. 
He knew they were going to have to be filled. And he knew what could happen if they ran empty. And so he emphasized over and over again, fill up your love cup. It's funny to think of our hearts this way. You know, I can start off this sermon a little bit with a pun. We know that our heart has vessels, but we can also think of our hearts as being a vessel. A vessel that needs to be filled. A cup that needs to be filled. But how do you fill it? And what do you fill it with? The Apostle Paul in our text for today has words about that. We've been walking through this book of Ephesians for about six weeks now, and we've got two weeks after this week. And just like in weeks past, we're going to be taking three things from this text. Paul has two don'ts and one do from this section. Two don't fill your hearts with this, and one do fill your heart with this. So let's go ahead and dig in. The first one, Paul says, do not be deceived by empty words. That's where Paul ends up, but that's not where he begins. He begins by talking about Christian behavior in regards to sexuality. He says, There should be no sexual immorality among you or any kind of impurity or of greed. That's not proper for God's people. Any sex outside of a husband and wife relationship, Paul says, don't do it. There shouldn't even be a whiff of it. People shouldn't even be able to, to look around, to sneak around in your life and find any evidence of sexual immorality. There should be none. And then he gets a little bit closer to home. He's talked about outward Christian behavior. Now he talks about the words that we speak about sexuality. He says that there should be no obscenities, no foolish talk, no coarse joking about sexuality because that's out of place for us to be talking about. Why did Paul say that we shouldn't even be joking coarsely about it? It's because he knows that what comes out of the mouth comes out of the heart. There should be no sexual immorality. There should be no joking about sexual immorality. And then Paul gets to where he was going. This is where we get Paul's big command from this first paragraph. He says, let no one be deceived with empty words. That's the command. What are empty words? Empty words are words that have no correspondence with what is actually true. Empty words are empty words that lead to emptiness. They are not filled words that lead to being filled. So Paul says, don't be deceived by them. There are going to be words that are going to be spoken to you, that are going to promise to you that you will be filled, but you won't be. Don't be deceived by it. I want to talk about the connection between empty words and human sexuality. That's what Paul does. You know, we've heard Christians talk for a while, drawing parallels to, from modern sexuality to ancient sexuality. You know, we talk about the Greeks and the Romans, how it was okay to sleep with anyone at any time for any reason. We talk about how in the Roman Empire it was okay and it was even encouraged to sleep with someone from the opposite gender. 
And that's true. Modern sexuality does have precedent in that way. But there's one big way, one really important way to that, that modern sexuality is completely unprecedented. And I want to draw attention to it today. It's that people no longer think of themselves as people who have desires. In modern sexuality, we are our desires. We are defined by them. We are identified by them. Why? It's because more than ever before, people are feeling so spiritually empty. And they want to be filled. They want to be accepted. They want to be loved. And they are taken in by these empty words. And so Paul throws down the gauntlet. He throws down the gauntlet and he declares that the sexually immoral person and that the greedy person and that any person who puts anything in their heart before God does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. All of those things are empty things that lead to emptiness. Paul is not abolishing things to keep things away from Christians. He's begging them. He's saying, church, don't be deceived. I want you to be filled, so don't be taken in by emptiness. That's the first one. That's the first don't. The second don't that Paul has for us today is he says, don't get drunk on wine. First thing we've got to be clear on is that it's not just wine that Paul doesn't want us to get drunk on. You know, we've gotten really creative over the last thousand years of the things that we can ferment. And it's not the drinking that is the problem. That's the second thing that I want to be really clear on. It's not the drinking that Paul has an issue with. It's drunkenness that Paul has an issue with. I mean, you think about Paul and Jesus. Neither of them had a problem with drinking. Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, and said, yep, you can have a drink medicinally. And Jesus, what was his first public miracle? It was him turning water into wine. It's not drinking that's the problem. It's drunkenness. Paul says, don't be drunk. Why? Because drunkenness will not fill you up. And drunkenness does a whole lot of terrible things to people's lives. I was reading an article a couple weeks ago um, that talked about how it was, it was this writer's opinion that if there was ever going to be a drug that should have been outlawed, that wasn't, it should have been alcohol. And he used this fact to prove it, that apparently uh, around 50% of people who have committed a murder committed that murder while they were drunk. And that almost 50% of people who are murdered are also drunk. Bad decisions are made. There's actually a Bible translation called the New Living Translation that kind of nails this part on the head. It says, do not be drunk on wine. Why? Because it ruins your life. 
So why do people do it? It's because they want to be filled. Why do you have that extra splash of Oregon Pinot Noir? Why do you have that extra glass of whiskey? Why do you have the extra pint of beer? It's because you want to turn the internal frown upside down just for a second. You want to feel just for that moment that you are filled. But drunkenness leads to debauchery. It leads to looseness with your body, with your decisions, with your anger. Paul says, don't do it. Don't get taken in by this empty thing. It's not going to lead you to being filled. It's going to lead you to being empty. So we finally made it to our do. Paul says, do this. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You were created for this. You were created to run on God. You were created to be filled by God. Your heart was created to run on the Holy Spirit. The question becomes, how do you get filled with the Spirit? How do you be active about something that by nature happens passively? It's like this. Paul says this is how we get filled with the Spirit. We get filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You sing to each other. How does the Spirit move? You've got to sing to each other. You've got to speak to each other. You've got to be around each other. you actually got to open your mouth up on Sunday morning and sing, even if it's going to be way off key. It also means that you've got to be here so that you can encourage others and so others can encourage you. You've got to be here for that. I can't explain how the Spirit works. The the Spirit works in a mysterious way, and that's good, but something makes sense to me that the, the last thousand years of communication studies have shown that for a message to be effectively communicated, it needs three things. It needs the right logos, it needs the right content and words, It needs the right pathos. It needs the right emotion behind it. And it needs the right ethos. It uh, It needs the right integrity and authority behind it. And you think about how many times we, we hit all three of those things in a Sunday morning worship service. Think about, just take the example of music like the Apostle Paul does. In music, we have the right logos. We have the right words because we are singing God's words. And we have the right pathos. Just music by its nature is emotive. It evokes emotions in us. It has the right pathos and it has the right ethos when we do it here in God's church. Because we have people that we love, people that we trust, people who are praying for us, who believe the same thing that we do. We are singing it to each other. When we confess our sins in the morning, we're doing the same thing. It has the right pathos, logos, ethos. When we pray together in one voice as a church, it has the same logos, pathos, and ethos. This is how the Spirit works. 
when we sing to each other, when we pray for each other, when we encourage each other in God's word, Paul says this is one way that you're filled. You know how else you get filled with the Spirit? You get into God's word. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He works through God's Word. When you open up your devotion, when you open up your Bible, when you listen to that, to that sermon on your way to work, the Holy Spirit works in that. And He fills you up with Jesus' promises so that you can be filled with the forgiveness that Jesus won for you on the cross. I know that you want to get up tomorrow morning and, I want, and you want to wake up feeling filled and being filled and not empty. Here's how you do it. Be filled up with the Spirit of God. I'll ask you to, to bear with me for just a second here this morning. I'm going to say something crazy. There is a biblical connection to drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, you think about the account of Pentecost. Jesus told his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait there. I'm going to send my Spirit on you. And they were there in Jerusalem. And the sound of a wind came into that room and tongues of flame were over their head. And they went outside and they were so filled with the Spirit that they started speaking other languages. And what did people think was going on? They thought they were drunk. There's a connection there. I can make another pun here. Both of these things have to do with spirits, right? And also, a a commonality between the two is that you do things when you're filled with the Spirit that you normally wouldn't do. Of course, there are differences, important differences. The main difference is that one of them is a Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit of God. Another difference is that while while drunkenness lowers you outside of reality, when you are filled with the Spirit, you are actually lifted into a clearer reality, God's reality. And instead of the details of life being washed away, you are able to see more clearly the details of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And instead of doing things that you would regret, instead you do the things that you have always regretted not doing but you, because you haven't had the courage to do it. It is an amazing thing to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I don't want us to forget that. Paul says being filled with the Spirit of God is like being filled with a song. Your heart turns into a musical instrument that makes its song to God. There's a buzz inside of you because you're so excited about what you know is true about your life, about what Jesus has done for you. And there is a joy that radiates out from you that cannot be dampened. There's a joy. And that joy is not a fleeting thing. It is a grounded thing. 
we Christians, we always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want you to remember this. Your heart is a vessel, and it needs to be filled. It needs to be filled with God the Father who finds you with his word and fills you with his promises. It needs to be filled with Jesus Christ, his Son, who you cannot outsin because he already died for you on the cross. And it needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit who fills you with joy and boldness in your life. Be filled with him today and always. Speak to one another and fill each other up. Get your joy out there. Practice doing that. You know how you can do that? Because you know exactly where you're going. And you know how you're going to get there.